0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the end of 2021. I know that many of us are going good riddance, but there were some good things that happened in 2021, and a lot of it was Bruce related. So I have gotten a esteemed all star panel to join me and we're going to do a quick year in reviews. Uh, This is set Lusting Bruce. Uh, not the Dick Clark extravaganza. Uh, Joining me uh, from left to right on my screen, John. Say hi, John. Hey, Jesse. Tell us a little about yourself.
1: Yeah. Hey, uh, my name is John Munson, and I am 57 years old. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. I've, uh, I've been down here in the desert for about 35 years. I grew up in the Seattle, Washington area. And uh, I have been an avid Bruce Springsteen fan since I was 16 years old. Uh, the moment that changed my life, um, October 1980, uh, I, saw, I saw the River Tour. I saw Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band at the Seattle Center Coliseum. Wonderful show. <laughs> uh, so excited. And uh, boy, since then, uh, you know, Bruce's music has been the soundtrack of my life and i'm looking uh, excited tonight to talk about uh, 2021 year in review
0: very nice and fresh graduate from college here to represent um the younger generation fandom and uh, also will give us a neils perspective uh rachel welcome and so glad you're here thank you tell us a little about yourself
2: all right so yeah i'm rachel um and like you mentioned, just graduated college. Um, I'm 21 and I think, okay, so the way that I kind of came about becoming a Bruce fan was that both of my parents are huge fans. So I literally just grew up listening to it. And then um, I really got into his music when I first started college. Um, I was having a really hard time adjusting to everything, dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety, and I just wanted to listen to something that was familiar, so I just started listening to Bruce, and then I was like, hey, wait a minute, actually, I love this, and then all the time started from there, um, and of course, it mentioned along the way, I also became a really big Mills fan, so there's that too thrown into the mix.
0: Yes, we will probably end up talking about Amy and Neil's loving you on Twitter. Uh, oh my so, god, I, which is nice. Oh, I love
2: my Twitter parents. I love them.
0: Yes, and uh, Betsy is joining us as well uh, from the East Coast. Betsy, lovely to see you again. Tell us a little about yourself.
3: Hey Jesse, it's so exciting to be here. I love talking about Bruce. Uh, I'm living in Washington, DC most of my life. I lived in Minnesota, Minneapolis in particular. I was the mayor there, which was exciting and Bruce's music got me through the rough spots and the high spots. Um, But uh, as I was, you know, sometimes say it's not exactly a qualification for being on here. What qualifies me to be on here is that I love his music and the music of the band and um, consider it my touchstone for my life and i have not i'm not somebody who's been a fan since i was knee high to a grasshopper um about 20 years ago i woke up one morning and decided i needed to start listening to bruce springsteen and i have never stopped
0: wise move on your part and um last but not least. I I guess I should say the, you know, last but not least, no, Uh, uh, Ken Rosen, frequent guest on the podcast, um, now almost hitting 1,500 days in a row of a consecutive blog, which is just crazy. Uh, Ken, welcome to the show. And for those of you who have not heard from me, tell us a little about yourself.
4: Thanks, Jesse, for having me. I'm, my, my head's kind of going like, I haven't checked the counter on my blog. Am I really close to 1,500 days? I have to go look at that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. I'm uh, my name's Ken Rosen. Um, I, I write a blog called eStreetShuffle.com that kind of chronicles uh, this day in the Springsteen history and then does like some deep dives into Bruce's catalog, both published and unpublished. Um, I am the other seattle-based or seattle roots guest on the show john uh yeah. there's not many of us <laughs> no I, <laughs> so, I totally agree <laughs> uh, i'm from philly originally born and raised but moved out to the northwest in early 90s lived most of my life out here now so um yeah i've, I've been uh i've been a bruce fan know, to some depth or degree all my life because i'm from philadelphia so you kind of have to be, um, but uh, really, just kind of, I think, started diving deep. Oh, in the in in the post reunion era, when it just became really easy to start getting access to all the bootlegs and and you know be able to see multiple shows and just really started to gain an appreciation for the the not just the the depth of his catalog, but kind of the. The chronological aspect where you could hear his, his voice, you know, and his music develop over the years. and Just got fascinated by that. So, um, yeah, just glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I am so glad this is such a great panel and I appreciate it. So um, John did a lot of our heavy lifting for us. Uh, when I invited <laughs> people, John immediately emailed back and said, yeah, here's what I've got so far for the year. And then a couple other people added stuff. So I, I think we'll we'll kind of try to go chronological but we'll also go around the board and kind of as we think of things but I I think the two things that struck me that made me very proud as a Bruce fan was his two national appearances one um when they did the kind of mourning the the honoring of all the people we had lost with COVID and him performing and then him rocking um the pea jacket on inaugural doing that you know like like I wish I I always thought I I wish I could look as good as he did in a blue jean jacket and then when he's rocking that I'm like I I think whatever jacket he's wearing he's good so Betsy I'm going to start with you uh what were your thoughts about those two televised appearances
3: well the inaugural was very exciting because I live here in DC and I was like oh my god he's like And I live downtown. I live not, I I can run, I do frequently run to the Lincoln Memorial. So uh, I was like, oh my God, I could just, run if I ran there right now, I could just like wave and say hi, which of course I did not do. But the next day I went for a run and of course watching it, I knew exactly where he was standing because I run to the Lincoln Memorial frequently. So I stood right there and I listened to the performance standing where he had stood maybe 18 hours before. So um, that's, that's how I feel about it. I thought it was- That
0: brings me great joy.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's one of my highlights of the whole year actually. Yeah. And um, uh, I thought it was a great performance, a perfect song for the moment and the perfect performer for that moment. Uh, You know, a sea change and and back to what we remember, land of hope and dreams. I thought it was remarkable. And I just, it really touched my heart that uh, I got to, you know, I got to witness it as an American.
0: Very nice. And uh, so, Ken, share me what you think of the inauguration. And Stephen, we will get with you in just a moment.
4: <laughs> oh, that, that, was, that was just a, a moment of intense joy um, and pride um, for, for, for so many reasons. Um, like Betsy said, just the song, Land of Hope and Dreams, has been... Yeah. My favorite Bruce song is Barry by Day, but I think Land of Hope and Dreams has always, always been in the top three and probably usually the top number one on that. And so it's just when, when he finds the right moment for that, that means a lot. Um, and just uh, it, I, and, and also just, just the occasion itself. Um, Joe Biden was not a... Um, he, he was not a settle candidate for me um i have always 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 been a big biden fan just being from pennsylvania he's just Mm -hmm. always been part of our our politics and our our scene just you know growing up i have a actually have a photo somewhere of like my mom and me with him
0: oh how well well
4: well well before he ran yeah Um, and uh so that was that was just really cool to actually see bruce throw his support
0: behind him during
1: the the campaign and then also for the inauguration
0: Very nice. John, thoughts?
1: Um, You know, I probably can't add much more than what Betsy and Ken have already said, but I think it was just real um, emotional. I mean, I think from a political standpoint, um, you know, I was I was very happy with the results of the election. And um, it, it was it was very exciting to say, hey, you know what? Tomorrow's a new day. And uh, the fact that they asked Bruce to lead the show off um, w- was very exciting.
0: Uh, absolutely. Rachel?
2: Well, going after everybody else, it's like you guys pretty much covered it. But I mean, I will say for me, I mean, it was the first presidential election that I was able to vote in. So oh, it was very cool. Already, nice. Nice. Like a big yes. moment for, for me. But. Um, Yeah, I think, I mean, what everybody else said, it was kind of like a huge sense of relief um, because honestly, just thinking about like the political atmosphere, I'm always thinking about like, okay, well, what is my future going to be like? Like who, what what are we doing essentially? So for me, that was super relieving. Um, And then just, I think just like, kind of like what Betsy said, I mean, having um, Bruce, kind of like, he's the perfect person. I mean, I know we're all going to say that, but um, I really do think that he was the perfect kind of representation of a lot of the things, honestly, that, that Biden stands for, but just kind of that, I mean, maybe this is my like daughter of a steelworker coming out, but like just that like working class kind of just representation. I think that a lot of people just wanted and needed to see. Um, So yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was perfect, perfectly timed, everything. So
0: yeah, well, and joining us, um, we jumped the gun a little bit. uh, And so I'm so glad you joined us, Stephen. So I'm gonna let you catch up, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. And then I want to hear what you thought about uh, Bruce playing at the memorial for all the people at COVID and the uh, inauguration.
5: Yeah, thanks. So um, I'm sorry I'm late. No, I, no, no, no problem. You know. Anyway, I appreciate you, uh, you inviting me in. I, I, I don't know what there is to say about, about myself much. Um, I teach Greek and Latin uh, in Michigan, of, of all things. And, you know, I'm, um, yeah, I have a family, three of us. Um, I don't know what you already said about, about, about things, but I'll just say something heard you all talking about land of and dreams at the inauguration and I, I i think ken it was you that said or maybe maybe someone else I, I came in kind of late and said you know that's that's one of your top bruce songs it's one of my top bruce songs as well uh especially at a time when things were feeling so dark at the end of 2020 most of 2020 was so dark i really thought hearing Bruce sing that song in particular it you know it just it's you know is that kind of hopefulness that I needed to feel at the beginning of the year
0: yeah, well said I um and i I used to say that if you couldn't get Ray Charles to sing America the Beautiful, you shouldn't perform it, right like I used to always go, if you can't get Daddy Ray. I don't care if it's Willie Nelson, whoever else. You know, if Ray Charles is alive and you need America the Beautiful, then you should have Ray Charles do it. Um, And I don't, there are some people that have covered Land and Hope and Dreams, but there is just, it feels right. And and, and, and to me, it feels that iconic of Ray Charles doing America the Beautiful, Bruce Springsteen doing Land of Hope and Dreams. You know, he's, um, he played it at, you know, the last daily show when Jon Stewart was retiring, he's, he's done it every other places. And so having it do that, when that cold weather and him in that peacoat and that beautiful memorial behind it, it, it was a, I agree with a lot what you guys said. It felt hopeful to me. Um, I had, I've said many times on the a podcast that at the end of 2020 you know i, I said if we could get a new spring scene album and a new president maybe 2020 wasn't the worst year ever um and all apologies to people who supported the other candidate uh, you know I, that's your right and everything but i i felt like we needed someone that had a little more love and kindness in in their heart and so it made me very happy so uh absolutely and i am on the record land of hope and dream is always number one on my list uh so uh but the other uh, better days and then three rotates all the time um so i'm gonna start with you rachel that way float everyone else gets stuck no one else has to get stuck being the same person being last um when bruce talked about having a lot of new things, I don't think anyone had Super Bowl ad on their bingo card.
2: <laughs> so no.
0: I'll start with you. What What did you think about that?
2: Okay, so personally, I really enjoyed it. I thought that kind of similar to um, the inaugural performance, I thought that it was very well-timed in terms of the message. Um, I know a lot of people were pretty upset. Um, just not really feeling it, you know, thought he had, you know, was selling out and was just, you know, whatever, but I don't know. I mean, I, I took more to heart the message of it all as opposed to the platform. Um, I think that, you know, it was something that he, I I don't think that you could build your career off of this, um, kind of, like I mentioned earlier, kind of working class, just like everyday people kind of like, theme, like theme, um, and then not be, um, sincere in that through, through an ad. I mean, personally, like, I don't care if it's I don't care how much if he made, you know, I don't care how much he made off of anything, to be quite honest. Like, at the end of the day, the message was what it was, and I think that it was very needed, um, still needed. So if it were, I mean, I know it's December, but if if there were another Super Bowl ad to come out tomorrow, it wouldn't make a difference to me either. I think that it was just something that he – saw the purpose of and I think you know most people were probably pretty receptive to it and other people maybe not as much but either way I I took away the message and I think that that was I would imagine that that would be intended so I was a fan
0: perfect Rachel hey John how about you yeah hey Jesse if I recall,
1: you did a you did a podcast on the Super Bowl ad to get I some did. feedback. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed listening to that because that, that gave me some different uh perspective. I mean, I think the things that stand out to me on that Super Bowl ad was number one, that it was basically just shown that one time. I mean, we could find it online, but it was just going to be broadcast once as opposed to a lot of these Super Bowl ads. You know, you, you you see them, you know, weeks and weeks afterwards. Um, the other thing that stood out was Um, you know, kind of reading the backstory about, you know, them going to, and I I, forgive me, I forget the specific town, but you're literally going to the middle of America uh, to, to film that and kind of the painstaking um, effort that went into building that. I mean, it was very well produced. Um, It's almost like, you know, the Bruce Springsteen camp, they don't, they don't do anything second rate. They, if they're, if they're going to do something like that, they're going to go all out. And, uh, you know, speaking of the message and what, what was interesting, Jesse, and it was your, it was your podcast that made me think about it was I I, I can't remember. um, I I, I can't remember if it was Bella or if it was someone else, but they're basically saying as far as the message, I don't know if I'm ready to meet everyone in the middle after what we've seen with January 6th and what we're seeing right now, I don't know if I'm ready. Um, and, and I, and I don't know what the answer to that is, but it was real interesting where you had some people say, you know what, this, this is a um, you know, the, the, the message resonates with me. And then there were a few on the fringe that said, boy, this is a, you know, we, we, we need to get, you know, we, we need both sides to really, you know, be accountable for their actions before we really say hey we we can meet and move on. So so those are my general thoughts, Jesse.
0: Yeah, I'm going to get to the other my other guests too, but to which I I can't remember who said it, but some columnist said watching the extreme right and extreme left argue about the Super Bowl commercial tells you how far away we are as a country because both sides we're mad at him about that, uh, Stephen. I'll go to you next. Any thoughts about the ad?
5: Yeah, I think that you're right. I think uh, because the message was that we have to meet in the middle, it meant that nobody was happy with what Bruce did. If you were on the right, you thought that probably listen to this guy who was just did a podcast with the president, or maybe that was before that. But you know, he's yeah. uh, he's stumped for uh, he's stumped for Democratic candidates, and now he wants to meet in the middle. And then you know, liberals say, "Well, what the heck is he talking about?" January sixth, there is no meeting in the middle with these people. But the fact of the matter is, we do live in a big, complex country, and we have to figure out how to live with people with whom we disagree um, and disagree strongly. And I say that because I live in um, in a in a very red place in Michigan. I'm not a Republican voter, but these are my neighbors. And we don't always agree. In fact, sometimes we don't agree, but we have to learn how to live with one another. That's that's getting harder to do in 2020 and 2021. And there are all sorts of complicated reasons for that. I think in part, it's because we don't really have a common language that we all speak. You know, in Abraham Lincoln, delivered the Gettysburg Address, there were lots of biblical references in it because that was a common language that um, all Americans shared. What is that common language that we all share now? I, I ask that seriously. You know, we're all have different media that we consume, different news, different TV shows that we're watching. So really the one thing I think that everyone is watching is probably the super bowl. Yeah. And so the it might even be football. So I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking that, that the message there is, is something that's, that's coming from a real concern that Bruce probably has about the fabric of this, uh, about the fabric of this country, at least it's something that I share. So I appreciated his message uh, and what he was trying to say, even though I understand that there's plenty of room to critique and, and disagree, but Bottom line, if we're going to stay the United States of America, we have to figure out how to to live with one another in our disagreements, not despite them, but in them, and to appreciate one another in them.
0: Well said. Ken, you, and then I'm going to go to Betsy, because Betsy and I have talked about this already.
4: (laughs) I don't know that I can top what Stephen said. That was very well said, Stephen. um, I I guess the only thing I would add is that I, I felt like Bruce's message was wholly consistent with everything that he has talked about and how he has conducted himself over the years, right? And to me, it was not cognitive dissonance at all for him to have very, you know, liberal political beliefs and also to say, we don't get to, you can choose to fight wholly for your beliefs and win but when you do that, and you may win one cycle, one election, what that really does is it causes the other side to dig in their heels, right, and regroup, and then the pendulum swings back. And if you actually want to move forward as a country, as a society, like Stephen said, you got to find a way to converse. You got to find a way to have a conversation, and it may not make people on either side happy about that, uh, but it is the only way to to uh, otherwise you're just going round for round. That's all right. You don't, you don't, you don't actually get to, to move forward. I, I, I actually um, inspired by, by that, that, that notion that commercial um, I actually just joined an organization recently called um, Braver Angels. I don't know if you've heard of that, but Betsy's not nodding her head. And so they're actually a group that, that actually brings people together they do workshops to get people on both sides to come together and just talk and to seek to understand and 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 listen and they actually train people to like go and facilitate those those workshops and i was like i think
0: that's very interesting yeah Yeah.
4: i was like i think i want to do that like i really like that that message that that you know that that bruce was sending i'm like that really resonated with me like i want to I 't don't I, don't I don't want to win yeah. <laughs> I, want to, I want to move forward together right uh, I'm really tired of the the polarization of it so I, I you know I know, I know that it I know that it, it you know it garnered a lot of flack and a lot of controversy but um, I, I thought it was a really important message that uh, unfortunately got overshadowed by other events very quickly right afterwards
0: yeah it did but, um I betsy I think we and I had either did your songs of your life or one of your episodes was when this had already happened and you talked about it. So I specifically had you last because I, I remember you had now putting you under the pressure, some really good things to say about this.
3: <laughs> oh, I, could, I could actually talk about it all day. Yeah. And I agree with Ken and he, I mean, this is the guy who wrote the album Nebraska.
0: Yeah.
3: Right. He wrote songs, humanizing murderers and serial killers and um, telling their stories in a way where you don't condone what they did, those characters, but you understand them and you can see their humanity. And that is the thing that draws me to Bruce's music the most is that he's not naive about who we are as a people, but he is always believing that the best of us is possible to rise. It's possible for the best of us to rise to any occasion. He really believes in us and our humanity, whether he agrees with us or not, whether he condones what we're doing or not. And that is why I listen to him all day, every day for years on end. <laughs> that itself. And so I agree with Ken. That message at that Super Bowl ad was very much in line with everything he's been saying in conversation with us through his music, through uh, his uh, from his home to ours. Uh, radio show uh, that he's been doing for the last couple years uh, through his autobiography, his show on Broadway, eventually his podcast with President Obama. I mean, he is consistent. And what he consistently does is invite us to rise to the occasion with our best selves and not our worst selves, which is what that ad was doing. And it took a lot I won't say it took a lot of courage because that implies that he cared that he was gonna get a lot of flack. But I just tried to put myself in his shoes and I thought to myself, you know what? It's the biggest platform this country has to offer for him to offer us the biggest message and the message he cares about the most at the moment when we needed it the most. I, I would just thought to myself, of course, He took that opportunity. Of course he did. And the price he paid was to be accused of selling out, to be accused of this and accused of that, which I'm sure he saw ahead of time. He is a very uh, perspicacious person, as far as I can tell. Um, He knew the flack that would come his way. He didn't choose just any random product to tie his name to. It's an American made uh, product. vehicle that he actually uses himself, something he, it's a product he believes in and he uses and has used for many years. Um, But that was the price he paid to get access to the biggest platform he had with the message that was most important to him to reach the maximum number of people he could at a time when we need that message the most. So yeah, I thought it was a remarkable move on his part uh, I think it was remarkable sacrifice on his part on behalf of that message. Um, and I know that people, well, it wasn't a sacrifice. He got paid, yada, yada. I mean, I'm not sure he's hurting for cash at the moment. I really don't think that was the motivation.
0: Even before this last thing we will talk about on our year in review, he was doing okay even before. So yeah, I don't think he was needing, yeah.
3: Yeah, he was doing just fine. So I I appreciated it and I was moved by it.
0: You know, we'll move on in a minute but I and and please feel free to after I share this. I it made me think about because I can be that person who is very angry at the other side. I'm angry at at some of the decisions that um, the other side has done. I, I am in a red state, similar to you, Stephen, and and I, I feel like my congressman and my two senators. Anytime I reach out to them, um, they don't respond to my concerns. They just tell me why I'm wrong and what I'm wanting them to do. You know, and and you know, you just get upset about. You know whether it's woman uh, you know reproduction choices in Texas or changing how you vote and what you do and all these things, and it's easy to get angry versus trying to find the humanity on the other side and so I to me that spoke to me that hey there is, let's look for the good in someone else and let's find our common ground and kind of work together and true, I think there will be extremes on both sides that there is no common ground, but you know, there's got to be 60% of the country that are only this little bit away from each other as I do a physical thing that my audience can't see. So uh, any other thoughts before we move to speaking of polarizing, um, the podcast I recommend very strongly, even before Set lusting Bruce. (laughs) I recommend to everyone. Renegades. So, uh, any other thoughts about the Super Bowl, or can we move on to the podcast? All right, let's start with you, John. Um, did you get to listen to all of them, and if if so, what did you think of them?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I did, Jesse. I, I listened to all of them. Um, hey, one of the most memorable things. I don't know how everyone was um, uh, set up in different parts of the country, but you know the the, the podcast. I was listening to one, uh, the first week in March, and that's when I first became eligible to get the vaccination here in Arizona. And it was at the big state farm stadium where the Cardinals play football here. And, um, you had to wait like two hours in line and it was well worth it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I list, I I list a complete podcast episode while I was waiting for my vaccination. I, that, that, that'll always Ooh, be memorable. When, that's when a I, nice when I,
0: synergy. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: I'll just make one comment. The, 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 most, the most memorable thing in all of those episodes was um, the story when he was talking about his kids and when his kids were young and he was talking a lot about Patty and he was talking about how Patty had shaped his life from the standpoint of he was, he was, you know, in a rock and roll band, stay out all night. And, you know, it's all about the music and then sleep in all day. And you know, Patty said, you know, Bruce, you should think about getting up earlier in the morning to see the kids. She's like, well, you know, I see the kids in the afternoon. She goes, No, no, no. They're at their best in the morning.
0: You're missing and the fa- that how she yeah. put it. you're yes, missing.
1: Exactly. It. And I think that was the most memorable thing I thought about was because, you know, you know, when you're the when you're the greatest rock star in the world, you're probably to a certain degree it's easy to be set in your ways. But then to basically listen to someone that was close to you that says, Look, you know, I'm not telling you to do this, but I think you should think about this. And he said that was one of the best things that happened. So I'd love to hear what other people got out of the podcast.
0: Ken?
4: You know, there were two things that stood out to me in that podcast. One was um, just that they have such a unique perspective um, on life and society in general and each other that they asked each other questions that no other interviewer would ask. And they were able to elicit stories and details, intimate details that no one else who has had that opportunity has been able to do. So it was just fascinating to hear those kinds of of things come out. Um, The other thing that was really, really interesting and endearing to me was how um, kind of in awe of each other they both were. Like, you know, for two people who are supposed to be pretty good friends and are portrayed that way, they clearly were still just kind of like you know you could hear I mean, Obama was a little cooler but you could still yeah. hear like a dog at a Bruce Springsteen but you could totally totally hear in Bruce's voice a shyness uh, yeah. and a, like I cannot believe that I am having this conversation with the president the former president of the United States and I just thought that was so um, it, it was such a different side of their personalities that. Of their public personalities, right? That that you never get to witness to, that I just, I thought was just completely fascinating and endearing.
0: Well, and I love that. What do I call you? Like, let's get that (laughs) out of the way, right? Like, what am I going to call you? Uh, Yeah, I agree. Betsy?
3: When I, when it first came through my feed, um, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a meme because it was like so perfectly curated to my interests and fandoms that i honest i was like this can't possibly be true that's beyond the pale i am a big fan of president obama um people around me know that um you know i have pictures of him at various places around here and uh god knows everybody knows i'm a huge springsteen fan and so it just it was Extraordinary to me to hear them talk, and that I I really love hearing Bruce talk with his friends because he is relaxed in a way that he's not with an interviewer. Um, you know the from my home to yours where he's with Stevie and the and and Southside Johnny or uh, the you know the episode with Patty and like this he's he's they're clearly actually friends. Uh, While yes, they're also, you know, oh, hey, you're the former president. Oh, hey, you're the biggest rock and roll star in the world. Okay. Now that we have that out of the way, we have a lot in common. And I loved hearing them talk about fatherhood and masculinity and what it meant to them and where they had been versus where they had to grow to, uh, what it meant for them to be married to the women that they're married to in that, you know, on that road. It was... Illuminating and not just because, oh, I'm a fan of both of them. So now I know more things, but illuminating because it reflected back to me things about the world in a way I hadn't really thought about them before. There was just new insights there about how the world is, which is something I value from both of them in their own ways. And to hear them riffing off each other from their own perspectives was remarkable.
0: Yeah, uh, someone like, someone said that they didn't think they learned anything new about either one of them. And I, 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 I found that hard to believe because, you know, I've read Bruce's autobiography. I've read the other biographies and, and I felt like I, I was lucky enough to go to Broadway. And it, I still felt like i learned more things about both of them and their interactions together. It was really, really interesting. Stephen, how about you?
5: yeah I agree with what others have been saying. Um, I'll point to a, a moment that that stuck out to me because it's something that I actually uh, think about when, when I think about Bruce, and that is, um, I think I think President Obama was talking, and he tells a story about about Michelle saying something like, "Now, do you see how Bruce is a man who has come to terms with his own failings?" And that's something that I really uh, admire about Bruce myself. Is um, I I know he isn't perfect, and he has talked about that, especially as he's gotten older. You know, one of the things he said is, you know, if 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 I really loved you, I hurt you. That was that was what the price of being uh, of being you know loved by me. And so, um, what's implied, but he doesn't talk about much. First is his first wife you know, what, what that may have looked like, but even how he may have hurt Patty, right, because it was Patty that has helped him come to terms with this. Now, of course, he's not telling us any of those details, but you know that it's there just by him saying those sorts of things, but they're still married despite despite those those hurts, and so I think it's incredible that they've been married for 30 years and he's a, he's a big rock star. And, and I don't know how many rock stars there are that stay married that, that long, but it's.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, I remember an article once that compared um, Bruce Springsteen to Ronald Reagan it was kind of tongue-in-cheek about how conservatives should embrace him and one of the things is Ronald had a second marriage that was incredibly successful after a first marriage that failed and uh and I do think that um it was fascinating in the autobiography of Bruce raising the hand and saying this was all my fault and I'm sure that any marriage that doesn't work, they're equal for both sides, but he took a lot of it. I agree that was really wonderful. The other thing I really thought of is um when he does my hometown and he goes pretty good song and Barack, you know President Obama goes, no great song like <laughs> you know kind of correct him like no no, it's a great song. so Rachel, in between studying and trying to get everything, were you able to hear the podcasts?
2: okay, so. Not really. Completely, full transparency. I
0: I understand, Um, totally.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I was obviously, you know, obviously I knew about it. Um, Yes. So, there was that, but I mean, of course, I'm super excited, too, because it's like, oh, my God, two people, well, I, you know, like, two people that I, you know, I love, but at the same time, like, okay, yes, like, I was a, like, bruce was more you know i don't i'm not like at betsy's level where they're both like hero status like i i love president obama but it wasn't necessarily the same experience but um i will say also it was special in the sense that both of them are people that i kind of had like this like growing up kind of weird situation with because President Obama was the first president that I genuinely remember. Um, So I was eight when he was elected. Um, So that kind of just brought about that same sense that I have with Bruce of like comfort and kind of familiarity of like growing up. And so I think that uh, through the podcast – like, now I'm excited to, like, now that I'm graduated and I, like, actually have time, yes. um, now I'm super even more excited to listen to it because I think that it's, like, a very, I'm in a very, like, transformative kind of period in my life. So yeah. not that there would be a bad time to listen to this podcast, but, um, you know, I'm just super excited for that personally. But yeah, I yeah. mean, I think that it was exactly what we needed this year um, to kind of, they're, it, like, in my opinion, they're both, for me, two voices that have always kind of provided a sense of comfort. So I think that, you know, you really can't go wrong anytime, but especially, you know, oh, yeah, and it's a global pandemic and, you know, whatever, whatever yeah. you like to go personally I think that it was just. I know I've said this probably about every topic that we've rolled through, but once again, perfectly timed. Yes. So yeah.
0: I, I really do, and I um I got the the book you know for Christmas, and so I was really excited to have it because there's some more behind the scenes and some great photos, and and just it really was kind of neat. The other thing I thought of as I was listening to this is, um, President Obama directly influenced, um, Springsteen on Broadway and Hamilton, <laughs> you know, it's so you're like, maybe you should get into the production and maybe you should be, you know, maybe you want to get into show business, like, you know, uh, cause that's, that's a pretty good track record. If you can have Hamilton and Springsteen on Broadway as part of your creative process is good. Um, I, I did want to just go really around. Um, I, I was able to hear most of the from my home to you I was really surprised he kept doing this and I do think he really likes doing this I think this is something that as him not being able to perform live is a way for him to connect with his audience and also to share music he likes I have a one of my best friends says that he doesn't really think Bruce likes a lot of new music. He just finds a band and says it to be cool. And I think that based on the songs he picked from my home to yours, that's BS, right? So Stephen, I'll talk to you. Have you gotten to hear some of these and any thoughts?
5: You know, um, I've listened to some of them, but I, 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 I haven't listened to a, yeah. lot, to a lot of them, just to be to be honest. I'm not the best person to start with on this.
0: No, no, I understand. And that's why uh, not everyone has a Sirius XM and not everyone has the time um, to do that. So yeah, um, anyone, I'll, I'll, then I'll throw it open. Anyone want to add a comment before we go on to our next topic about the From My Home to You? Go ahead, Betsy.
3: I have listened to all of them and I love them. They've been an extension of his conversation with us. Yeah. They've introduced me to some really great new music that I wasn't familiar with. Sometimes it's like taking a music history course, but sometimes it's just fun. And, um, he, I, you know, I put it on my calendar every time I heard there was a new one. I usually listened to them, you know, the first time they were airing, in part because I just wanted to hear what he'd say. Yeah. And I wanted, I wanted to hear the music. I wanted to hear the music he wanted me to hear, and I wanted to hear what he had to say. And again, you know, he started this during the pandemic, you know, in the first couple months of the pandemic, and he's been doing it ever since, and it has been one of the lifelines I've had during this pandemic.
0: Yeah, it was funny. One of the first times we heard it, we were in the car, and, you know, my wife is a casual Springsteen fan at best, and she was... I. I just wish he'd keep talking. I don't think we need the songs interrupting it. And then later she was like, Oh, that's pretty interesting song. So um, anyone else want to add anything? Just that. um, Yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure he's
4: still doing it. It's been a while.
0: It has been a while. (laughs) Yeah. I think
4: he might be done. Yeah. Um, You know, it's not like, I mean, it would be unlike him to say he was done. So yeah, that's true. Stop and move on.
0: Well, I Uh, still get the notification from the Sirius on my phone that there's from my home to you and I I'll turn it on and like, okay, I've heard that one. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe he's reached enough to be syndication. Right. Like, you know, like they said, you used to you had to get 100 episodes on a sitcom. Maybe they've got enough that they can just rotate, you know, in syndication.
4: Or maybe he's working on new music and playing some, you know, you know, absolutely in the city and stuff. So.
3: I'm not, I'm not convinced that he's done. He may be, yeah. the last one he did was October, but then subsequent to that, you know, there was um, the holidays and then yep. the release, of yeah. no nukes. So He's been doing all that with the no nukes yeah. and some other music like the music with Mellencamp has been coming out. And I think he doesn't, hasn't want to overshadow those. So you may be right, he's done, but I wouldn't be shocked if he did another one or two yeah. after things slowed down from these holidays.
0: Well, I know none of us had, once again, as I go back to the bingo card, no one expected uh, Springstone Broadway to come back um, and come back the way it is. Um, Ken, we got to start with you because you wrote a whole column and a Backstreet's review because you were there opening night. So yeah. uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about, You know, were you a little surprised and what about it?
4: I was fortunate enough to be there opening and closing night, um, of this run. And, um, so I had a chance to kind of see it well and see it develop over the course of the run, but I got to see what it it became. Um, I wasn't surprised that he did it. Um, I mean, I don't know that I would have predicted it, but it seemed like again, in keeping for him to do right. So we were coming out, we thought of the pandemic, um, broadway you know had to come back that was very symbolic because it was one of the first things to shut down and it's it is very much like bruce to say i'm gonna be a part of that and of course i think he wanted to perform um i didn't necessarily expect him to update the yeah. show um especially because he sort of telegraphed that he wasn't going to i think leading up to it and i think he kind of just sort of started working on it and got into it and kind of felt like enough had changed that um that he needed to, um, but but I remember the first night that I was there, first of all, it was incredibly emotional um, in so many ways. There were protesters outside um, the entire time um, and you could hear them in, in parts of the show and Bruce even acknowledged them. Um, it was just incredibly emotional when he, he came out um, onto the stage, nobody was wearing masks that first night, everybody was wearing masks at the end. Um, but that first show, it was, it was really kind of disjointed in that it felt like he was, it was very conversational with the audience. Um, and, and I think I wrote in my column that uh, it, it, it felt less like Springsteen on Broadway and more like Bruce Springsteen reads selections from Springsteen on Broadway. <laughs> Where he, would, he would talk to the audience. It was very, it was very uh, fresh and conversational. And then he would lapse into the show and it would feel like two. To, he had two voices. Like he had his theater voice from the original run. Then he had his more conversational voice, that was modern. And and by the end of the run, they had merged. Like mm-hmm. it was much, much, much more of a cohesive piece. Um, and I and I really felt that by the end of it, um, uh, especially at the conclusion, when he would do uh, "I'll see you in my dreams" and talk about his visitation with his ghosts, the, the power of that piece uh, and, and literally his tears uh, th- that, you know, I don't know if he did it every night, um, but the night that I was there, uh, it was it was one of the uh, bravest, rawest um, performances I have seen uh, on a stage. Uh, it was It was incredibly moving
0: on that. So, Rachel, this was your first chance to see Bruce live, and uh, for those of you who have not gone, listened, uh, Rachel joined me, and uh, we did a full episode about her adventures, Rachel Goes to New York, but uh, talk about it a little bit, what it meant to you, and and how powerful that was for you.
2: Oh, my God. Um, well, yeah, it was crazy, um good but it was yeah like you said it was my first my first Bruce experience um so obviously that was gonna be a lot um first time uh going to New York so that was also big um but I was personally a little shocked that he revived it um because the first run was right around when I started really doing that deep dive into his music. So, you know, obviously I watched the Netflix and everything and, you know, and that's all like in my mind. And I, I just remember like just gushing over that with my mom, like, oh my God, isn't he so great? Like blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, fast forward a few years. And I just was like, I remember telling myself like, okay, like, I woke up that morning and I was like anxious. And I was like, okay, I was like, just be open to everything. Like, yes, try to get your tickets. And if you get a ticket, you'll find a way to get yourself there. But right now you just need to like relax. And if it doesn't happen, it was just not meant to be your first Bruce experience. Well, thankfully it worked out for me. which I'm super, super grateful for. It was such a great experience. Like honestly, probably the greatest experience of my life. Um, and of course that was also in part uh, because of just all of the the love and support that I had been receiving pretty much my whole trip. Um, you know, I tweet a lot, so it was kind of fun for me to share. Like I was gonna do that anyway, but it was really nice to have that kind of interaction along, along the way too. Um, in a way it was kind of like, all right, get in everybody. Like we're going to Springsteen on Broadway. So it was, it was really great. And I mean, like super, super emotional, obviously I was pretty much crying the whole time. Like to the point where I was like, oh my God, like, I hope that this is not obnoxious. Like to the people around me, I'm just like, but you know, I mean, I think that that just kind of goes to show, um, the rawness of the of of this revival and just I mean I personally also liked that he did update it um because I mean naturally I think that that was just fitting um but of course you know he he does it in in his way which is just gonna be you know not gonna be the same every night and whatever you know kind of emotions are coming up just kind of rolling with that and allowing the audience to kind of direct that you know in a way um and i just i don't know i just think that that was super powerful i know for me personally the whole kind of depression mental health aspect was really really prominent um so, yeah, my first episode on this podcast, I talk about that a lot. Yeah. Um, but that really was, like, my main inspiration for really connecting with him as an artist. So I, you know, to see it in person, and I mean, in that theater, there really was not a bad seat in the theater. Um, yeah. So to get to have that intimate kind of personalized, almost experience was just, I mean, I can't even really put it into words months later now. And I still don't have the words. Um, But yeah, it was truly just a perfect experience. And I'm so, so grateful that I got to go.
0: Yeah. And I loved it. Like I said, if you're interested, please go and listen to that episode. Betsy, you shared one of the best and most touching stories of how you got to go to the original run. I uh, I will not spoil that, but um, and I do not mean to make this whole podcast um, ads for my previous episodes, but um, Betsy told a story that had me tearing up about how she got to see uh, Bruce on Broadway the first time. Did you uh, make it a second? Did you get to see this latest one?
3: Oh, Jesse. Yes, I did. Yay! And there is a, it may may take too long to tell the magical story, but um, I, it's the only time I've ever heard anyone break into a concert on E Street Radio was Jim Rotolo breaking in to tell us that uh, Springsteen was coming back to Broadway and tickets were going on sale on Thursday. I was like, okay. And I just, I put it in my calendar. I said, I'm going to figure this out because I'm going and then i called two different friends of mine who i knew would need a push to go that they might or might not be able to figure out how to go on their own and i basically bullied them into also you know trying for tickets and that day i went in i got you know i i had i had a whole squad we were all going for it and Somebody, you know, said, just go on the app anyway. They say you can't use the app, but go on the app anyway, which is how I got two tickets for August 31st. And then I'm going to tell on myself here, but it turns out okay. Um, I went back later that afternoon and I was, because you can only get two tickets, but I thought, well, if I go in with a different email and then a credit card, a different credit card, I could probably get, an, you know, they probably still have single tickets. And indeed, I got a single ticket for August 24th, and then I started losing sleep. Because that wasn't in the spirit of my fandom to go in and do that that way. But one of the friends that I had called to bully about it, I don't think he'd mind me telling you, he was my chief of staff. He's still one of my best friends. And he hadn't been able to get a ticket. And I said, oh, that's not my single ticket. That's John's ticket. So I called him up and I said, guess what you're doing on August 24th? Um, Is you're going to Springsteen on Broadway, my friend, and I just gave him the ticket, just gave it to him like that seemed like that's why I had the ticket was to give it to him, and he didn't quite he's a huge fan, but he didn't quite understand. And, the, and so fine, my husband and I, he wanted to go, which is a, you know, he's not a huge Bruce fan, but he really wanted to see this show. So he and I were going on the 31st, that was great. Both of the people that I had called ended up having tickets for August 24th. By chance, one friend was just going on the 24th and the other, because I made him go, he didn't have a choice. I gave him the ticket and told him he was gonna get his butt on an airplane and get to New York. Well, that other friend, uh, all her plans fell through and she called me up and said do you want to come with me on the 24th and I said do I
5: <laughs> yes
3: <laughs> so I ended up going on the 24th with both these both of the people that I had made go to the show and then going back a week later and seeing it with my husband it was again magical it was just it was just pure magic and i'll never forget because john seats the, the single ticket i got was in the orchestra he was in like the eighth row right and i and we were in the mezzanine and we come down from the mezzanine john walks out and the, i will never sorry no i will never forget the look on his face with the experience he just had like the i knew the experience he just had because i had had it And he didn't know going in. He didn't know anything about the show. He hadn't watched Netflix or anything. And so he didn't know if there would be a band or what, and I refused to tell him. And he just walked the look on his face. You know what the look was. He was just gobsmacked. And it was priceless. It was priceless because I paid it forward. And for anybody who knows the story of how I went the first time, I then got in touch with the people who made it possible for me to go the first time, and I told them that I had paid it forward, and I told them the whole story. I was like, what you did for me, I got to do for somebody else. You made that magic happen for me, so I made that magic happen for someone else. I paid it forward, and then the circle was complete.
0: That is a very Bruce story. That is exactly, I think, what Bruce would want to do. Uh, Steve and John, did either one of you get to go this second round? I did. You did.
5: Uh huh. Um, so I didn't go to the first round. Okay. And so um, I turned. Um, I turned forty this year, and my wife said to me, "What do you want for your fortieth birthday?" This was in April. I turned forty, and I said, "I don't want anything this year. I know Springsteen is going on tour. Maybe next year. Maybe the year after that. We're going at least one show, and I want to travel to an East Coast city where the shows are great." Cause I'm not, I mean, it's, you know, I just wanted to do that before I, before I die or before he dies, that's probably more likely. You know, um, he's not getting any younger. And I think how many more shows am I gonna get to see? Right. And I haven't seen a whole lot anyway. Well, you know, um, this announcement came and I s- just said to my wife, I said, so we're going to New York and we're going to Broadway and I don't care what it costs. And she said, okay. <laughs> we're going. (laughs) And, and so I got the tickets. She, she went to go to New York. Uh, She is not a big Bruce Springsteen fan at all. She, she sort of looks at me puzzled actually sometimes. I mean, she's into it because I'm into it and she'll go because I want to go. But beyond that, no, but um, we went to the show and right, uh, right during 10th Avenue, freezed out. She tapped me on the shoulder and she said, this is amazing. I completely understand why you love him. And then afterwards we were talking about it and she said, Oh, you have to see him live. That's the, that, that's just the way that it is. It's, this is a different life to it. And so I don't know that she's a Springsteen fan, but she certainly appreciates why I appreciate him now.
0: That's, that's a big gift. Um, I know Ken has to go shortly. So we're going to jump ahead. Um, and we're going to talk about the Steve Earl benefit. Um, and, uh, as an introduction, I just had, um, my friend, um, on the phone, uh, on the episode talking about it. And he, um, and I, I, want to hear your thought, but he was telling his wife, like, eh, we'll get a normal acoustic, you know, cause that's what he always plays at a benefit. And he said that when the Dukes came out, he went, what? And when Bruce came out with the electric guitar, he went, what? And you know how, <laughs> and for the background, my son's dog, I'm dog city tonight. You know, that, you know, the way a puppy puts his head up. He said, that's what he felt like. So Ken, you were there. Share. I, I,
4: I was, and I knew what was coming.
0: Oh, okay. And, and, I, and, I,
4: and, I'll, and I'll tell you how. So um, when I heard about the show and the lineup um I knew I had to be there on that because um of course I love Bruce but I'm also a huge Roseanne Cash fan um Lily Nile was fantastic um and so I knew I wanted to be there and I knew it was a cause I wanted to support and they had all these interesting VIP packages for sale these crazy combinations of stuff. Like you could have like a private dinner with Steve Earle and uh, I can't remember all the different parts, but there was one where, um, where you get to go to the rehearsals and soundcheck. And so I got that one. Um, one of, I think only um, three that they sold. Wow. On that. Um, and, or it was six people because he it allowed it to. And so I went with my friend Robin and um we went for the sound check and I we they weren't really sure how it was gonna go. Like it started at three in the afternoon. They said Bruce was supposed to show up at five, and I was totally expecting, like you said, the acoustic mini set. So we get there and we're sitting up at the in the front of the Lodge, just kind of overlooking the stage, and it's it's just the dukes, it's just the band and they're just kind of like working on stuff and just playing little riffs and stuff, and then uh the the keyboard player uh, Eleanor Whitmore I think her name is she starts like playing the riff the keyboard riff for um, Darkness and I'm like why is she playing Darkness on the edge of town that's, that's odd maybe they're just you know like hey they're waiting for Bruce they think it would be cool to play some music so they're doing that and then the, the, you know, the guitarist comes out and they start like doing like glory days and I'm like oh my god Like I suddenly dawned on us, what was going to happen? I'm like, I turned to Rob and I'm like, I think we're getting electric Bruce. (laughs) Like, I think we're actually going to get a full band show. And sure enough, Bruce comes in around five o'clock and he's just like chatting with the band and they're kind of like working up how to, how to do the arrangement. And, uh, and they went through the whole set, um, for us at, at soundcheck. He was totally oblivious to us sitting up there. We were all like going like, Oh my God we're getting a private Bruce Springsteen concert. This is amazing. He's picked up an electric guitar. He's front in the band. Um, and, um, it was just so cool. I, I, I tweeted out, I think I'm like, y'all are like, if you're going to the show. This is going to be amazing. It's going to be epic. And I was like trying so hard, like not to like, I didn't spill anything. Um, but, but it was, it was, it was, it was very cool. And then, um, <clears throat> you know, the, um, uh he, 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 he came out and when, when he performed the sound check for us, um, I would say like the energy, le- it felt like a 10, right? In retrospect, it was probably an eight compared to what it was in that room <laughs> at the time because the place went nuts. It felt, um, the energy level felt beyond what I have felt in an arena At a regular Springsteen show in the US, it was like all the pent up, like anticipation and what everybody had been missing. And people like rushed the stage. And I actually think Bruce was quite surprised by the reception and overwhelmed by it. And when he did Glory Days, if you actually watch like the videos on it, you'll see everybody sing the song, the first verse to him. He did not expect that. That was not how they had worked it up. He just worked it up while the band was going to come in and they were going to do a a break, right? Get quiet for a minute and then he was going to sing. And he was like, okay, this is happening. (laughs) And kind of roll with it.
0: Yeah, I heard. So I had
4: that spontaneity.
0: Yeah, I heard like, okay, we didn't get Hungry Heart," so we're going to make our own first verse. Um, Yeah, for those of you. And then, like I said, I know you need to go, Ken, and I want to get everyone else's thoughts. But uh, Dale said that, you know, all this talk about at his age, will we get long shows? You know, are we going to get a 90 minute gig? And and I've had a lot of people in the show that said, look, live Bruce doesn't matter that time period it's the experience and dale said those four songs he left just as happy as a three hour show that he had gone he said i got full-fledged bruce playing the songs trust me this guy is not ready to retire he is ready to tour so any final thoughts you want to share ken and then i'll throw around the room and i if you need to go i understand
4: no just just um exactly what you said. Uh, I had a chance to see him at a few different benefits over the autumn, you know, leading up to this one. And and with each time it was just clear that he was just like more and more in his arena rock mode. And I just hope that we get a chance to see him in that mode for real sometime real soon.
0: Very nice. Very good. Um, any other thoughts, anyone? Um, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen the video or any thoughts about um, not just the Steve Earle, but any of the other benefits he did or performances he's made this year. I, I was especially touched by the 9-11 memorial. I thought that, you know, it was so satisfying to hear him perform live. Um, he does seem like almost an elder statesman who can still rock and roll. I mean, like this voice, this, this voice of compassion in America. And uh, we start with you, Stephen
5: yeah i mean i've only seen the videos and i i agree with ken he, he, even when he did hungry heart by himself that was like this is arena rock bruce i mean this is yeah. he's ready he's ready to get out and go I, I that's just how i felt and i i'm looking forward to hopefully you know soon yes. that yes. might happen um, yeah yeah
0: Please get vaccinated, people. Let's let's get out of this. Um, Rachel, have you got to see anything or any thoughts about the some of the other videos that have been floating around about his performances?
2: Yeah, um, so I don't I don't have as much to add, maybe about the specific benefits. Okay. I mean, listen, he's any any live bruce performance is gonna be amazing right but um yes see me and betsy are in total agreement um but but in terms of the oh well is you know are these shows gonna be the same length and the same energy level and do you think that he actually will still tour like blah 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 whatever well first of all Obviously like everybody else, of course, I am hopeful that there will be another tour. Um, Even if just for my own selfish interest in not having yet seen Bruce and the E Street Band um, live. But also I think, you know, I, I completely agree with kind of what's already been said of, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter as much, you know, how, how long or anything like that. If it's a live Bruce performance, everybody, and I think that, you know, as we've kind of all shared our own individual stories, um, you know, it's one of those things where even if you walk in not necessarily being a fan, everybody walks out with something. I won't, I won't say everybody will walk out a fan uh, because, you know, that's not necessarily true but everybody will walk out having taken something away from it. And I mean, I honestly, so. I just, I, I mean, like what more, how much more of a, of an impact can you really make besides that? You know, like, yeah. I mean, for me, especially it's like, you know, I was literally a baby when I first heard his music. And so from then to now, it's like, I've only my love for him and my appreciation and admiration and everything has only has only gone up. So, I mean, I think that that just kind of goes to show the kind of artist he is, but also, I mean, the kind of person he is. So
0: absolutely. Well said, John, any thoughts?
1: Uh, you know, Jesse, I did not get to see Electric Bruce uh, like Dale or Ken, though I did, yeah. I did see the videos. But, but my impression, um, I, I did go to Broadway the last week, the last show. I went on oh, uh, Thursday. I went on Thursday, September second, so that was two nights after Betsy, and it was the night before Ken went. Ken All went right. Friday. The, he went Friday the he went Friday the third and Saturday the fourth. But anyway, I, I knew the show. I knew Broadway was going to be good. Um, But I was kind of expecting that, you know what, um, between between Ken's original review of opening night, which he said it was good, but a little off kilter, um, but it was still good and emotional. um, But between Ken's review and then Bruce making a comment that, well, I really don't rehearse this stuff. I just kind of let go. Yeah, I was just expecting, you know, a, a, a pretty good show. And uh, you know what, I, I I walked out of the St. James Theater that night and saying, you know what, we, we got we got to keep Bruce alive and healthy because yes. he really is a treasure. He is still because, you know, I, I've been listening to his music for so long. And the song that really uh, 10th Avenue Freeze out. Um, he did a full new arrangement in 2021 that was different from what we saw in 2018, different than what we saw at the Christic Institute. Um, you know that song's evolved and the fact that he took the time and the stories were different it was a different pace it was a different vibe I was like you know what this guy's not done and it could be real easy for him to basically just say you know what I'm doing my my I'm doing my nine to five job I've 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 got a full-time job now down at the St. James Theater and just mail it in for the summer but he didn't so I didn't see the electric Bruce but leaving that theater after what I just saw. And I remember sitting, standing on the corner of Bryant park and Yoga said, this is amazing. We, we got, we got to keep Bruce alive and healthy because he's still got a lot in him. So I, I, I know that energy's there.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, so Betsy, how about you? Any thoughts on any of the kind of performances he's done this summer with either the one-offs or, um you know it seems like he's just ready to get out there
3: yeah i mean you could you could every time i watch one of these performances he's he's it's like someone who's sitting on the edge of their seat he he, he always gives everything he has to every performance he does whether it's 2 minutes or 200 minutes you know i mean he yeah. is he is all about performing and having that conversation with us live and in person and um you know, I mean, I think that it wasn't, they weren't on Saturday Night Live in 2021, but yeah. that energy just, you could just see he's just, he's just ready to go. Yeah. And I am, I am with Rachel. Like if we get an hour long set with Bruce and the band on tour, great. We're just freaking lucky to be alive at the same time, Bruce Springsteen's making music, let alone making live music. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, Jesse, I have a policy. I have a policy. I do not publicly criticize or complain about Bruce, his choices, anything he does, which he makes for me very easy. Yes. <laughs> not, I'm sitting, I don't sit around having a lot of criticisms and complaints. Yeah. And I, I am curious about the people who have pre-complaints about a future tour when I will just feel lucky to have one at all.
0: Yeah, I think well said. Um, you know, because I do think, you know the people that have a stopwatch and like well it was only it was only 2 hours and 20 minutes tonight like did you not were you not involved in the show i mean you know um all right so a couple of quick hits um there's not many families that can say they have an oscar they have golden globes they have platinum albums and a silver olympic medal so the springsteen family's doing pretty well um i i remember um, that, um, the, uh, Kirk Douglas was asked once, are you jealous that your son won an Oscar and you never did? And Kirk Douglas said, he's my son. If he wins an Oscar, I win an Oscar. He, he is me. It's the same thing to me. And, and I feel that, I, you know, as a father, I I can only imagine he's probably as proud of her getting the Olympic medal as he is for any sold out arena or anything. So um, any quick thoughts about Jessica, except, you know, just how cool it was. Anyone? Anyone?
3: Uh, this isn't about Jessica, but I was yeah. so excited for her. But we also have an Olympian in our family. Oh. Our great niece is the seven fastest 100 meter hurdler in the world.
0: Oh, wow. Very nice. That's pretty cool.
3: So I can affirm for you, having yes. an Olympian family is awesome.
0: <laughs> very nice. Very cool. Um,
3: oh, and I should say yeah. her name, Abby Cunningham.
0: Oh, very nice. Very good. Um, all right we have two big topics to left. I, I, I've loved all the things he's done, which Ellen Mellencamp, uh, with, um, Eddie Vetter and, uh, you know, Tom Morella, uh, we could certainly talk about any of that, but I think the two big topics left to talk about is the 79 no nukes concert and then the big move with Sony. So let's talk about the 79 first. And I'm going to start with you, Betsy. Um, you know, what what did you think of the, you know, the Blu-ray and, and the release? What what seeing this young Bruce and I know 30 isn't considered young, but when you're my age, it is damn young. What were your thoughts on that?
3: Here's my confession. Yeah. I've listened to it. OK, not watched it. I'm saving it.
0: Oh, that's, that's I did the same thing, by the way. I waited till like there was no one else around it's like my wife was out of town and I could put it on and I could just in savor it so there's nothing wrong with that
3: I haven't had the moment yet and I, I will just as an aside we also haven't talked about the sways waves controversy which we might not want to touch with a the no no I want to love that that's a great think, idea that's one of the biggest Springsteen moments of the year as far as I'm concerned
0: I think that is um John any thoughts on the no nukes
1: uh, yeah, I um, I love it a lot, both the CD and um, and the movie. Uh, I um, B- Betsy, maybe it's good. Yeah, here, here's my biggest problem with the movie. I can't stop watching it. <laughs> um, so I just, I, you know, I've got the physical. I bought the physical DVD, but I also paid the extra money just to get it online so I could get it immediately, <laughs> and so. So I'll, I'll, fl- I'll flip up my, uh, you know, I'll, I'll flip up my computer and watch it at lunch. And so okay, I got time for like three songs and I, I can't stop watching it. It's just it's so good. Um, so uh, and, and I think just, you know, just from a nostalgia standpoint. Um, that, that was about a year before I became a fan. So that's kind of the that was kind of the, the Bruce I remember. Uh, yes. That and and also the other thing that was real interesting was it it just kind of reflects how how far we've come along because the actual No Nukes movie um, th- that came out in the theaters in uh, I want to say like you know August September nineteen eighty so at then I wasn't a fan I never saw the the concert movie um, three years later it did come back for one day only and I remember sitting through this movie twice um, there was a theater in Seattle it was called the Neptune Theater. And what they would do is they would show a classic movie, but they'd only show it for one day. And so it was a Saturday in the middle in the summer of 1983, and it was a double feature. They were showing No Nukes and the Woodstock movie. Okay. And I was like, "Well, I, I, it's like you don't see you no know, Bruce had no videos in 1983. You could never see him. I would never, other than the live performance that I had seen." I had never seen, I'd never seen anything of him before. So I got, I got to go. And so I basically sat through the whole movie just for, for two and a half songs. And then I, then I stayed in the theater sat through the Woodstock movie so I could watch it again. So, so anyway, so, so I, I, I really feel blessed that, you know, all these years later, now we get to see the full performance. I think they did a great job. Um, Betsy, you're, you're going to love it. Um, it's, it's real fun seeing a 29 year old turning 30 Bruce um the music is great um Clarence is awesome and if you look at the songs that there were in the set um other other than the river and the covers i mean all of them are all heavy on saxophone so yeah. you get a lot you get you get a lot of Clarence in the movie so anyway uh i loved it I'll you know leave it of, at that Jesse.
0: yeah no one of the things i thought wh- which is so it is how how empty the stage felt back then because they didn't have Niels and Steven. They didn't have Patty, you know, um, they didn't have Susie, you know, it was the core beginning, you know, that E Street band. And it was, it was almost like, wow, there, there's so much space left on stage, you know, now then is. Um, so Rachel, have you got to explore any of this? As I like, know you're. Um, had a busy fall.
2: Oh, yeah. So I'm kind of in the same boat of, like, now is finally my time. Yes. Where I have downtime, and I have those quiet moments. So I have not watched it yet. Um, But I just, everybody keeps going, oh, yeah, he was, like, 30. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because, like, I'm only 21, so I didn't, like, get to see him through all of yeah. the different... But I'm going... 30 where like okay like I think we can all agree that he is just a very attractive man however also I mean like I just I don't know that really kind of threw me off but besides that point um yeah I it's like another thing uh, along with the podcast just everything where I'm like oh my god like now I can do my little like deep dive into this like I'm the same way I forget exactly who said it but like, I like to, you know, have the experience, those like exciting things for the first time when I know like nobody's gonna bother me. Like, I can just be in my full, like, Bruce fan mode and, you know, just watch or listen or whatever it is, um, the thing in its entirety. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm still waiting, but yeah, my only, my only, um, you know, we were talking about people having pre-tour, um, like criticisms, um, so me not having watched it yet, this is going to be a criticism, but the only criticism I have is that obviously it was before Nils joined the band, yes. so I cannot get too, you know, Right. Little- indulge my like passions about that but but besides that i'm sure it'll be great
0: (laughs) but it is that you 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 know it's because he joined right after born in the usa and everything you you think of him as always been part of the band but he wasn't it was you know uh, pretty interesting all right Stephen, how about you
5: i don't have betsy or rachel's discipline (laughs) i saw it i saw it immediately uh because i was really looking forward to it um a couple of things that stood out to me were the tempos. They're just crazy tempos. Yeah, Um, And it might be because I, like you, Rachel, I was a baby when I first heard Bruce Springsteen. I was born in 1981 and I didn't really hear him until, you know, 1984, 85, when born in the USA is just crazy. I had the record, you know, that was one of my first, so my my Springsteen fandom goes back to age four. Uh, But I don't know, and I'm not familiar with, except for what came out on the live, the live box set what Bruce would have sounded or looked like before that. And, you know, I heard all the, the releases and all that, you know, the bootlegs I've, I've, I've heard all those, but actually seeing what this band looked like in 1979, that, that was just a real treat and a real gift because man, they were hungry and they were tight and they were playing great. And, and I think, John, you mentioned Clarence. I was just getting emotional watching Clarence play. No, ain't nobody playing like Clarence Clemens. No one ever. And you all I always know it's him. And I don't know that it's about how you know whether he's a good technical sax player or not, but I feel every note that he plays. It yeah. like hits my hits my soul. And so Jungle Land for me was just, just out of this world, uh, in on no nuke. So anyway. I'm watching it all the time. I'm watching bits of it every day, John, probably like you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. I felt so, I enjoyed it so much. I I was struck by how long the songs were. There was a lot of, you know, sax solos and guitar solos and playing and, you know, and, and um, the, as he said in an interview, Bruce was worried, you know, becoming over self-aware if he watched himself perform would he become self-conscious and everything and um it is just really a uh, you know there's there's a couple of people on twitter that were really really wanting tracks Two this year and because they didn't get tracks Two, they felt like it was a disappointing year and i was like how with all the stuff we get i mean i you know john you know steven you guys remember the 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 lost years right like like after he and the band parted and you're like we may never get another bruce album again i mean you know so to have this much information is just kind of I, i i'm so grateful um all right so um i'll start us off i think the sony thing is is much ado about nothing and then we're going to talk about something really important sways or ways um you know from my perspective this is you know estate planning Uh, this is you know smart businessman um it is you know it's it's a good deal for him it's a good deal for sony which is what's nice when you do business deals um I I certainly disagree with anyone saying he sold out. Um, I I saw someone post on Facebook and I was um, in one of the Facebook fan groups said that her daughter gave her renegades as a present. And when she saw how much it was, she made her daughter return it because it was too expensive and she wasn't going to give that money to that billionaire. Um, And I was like, "It's, it's 30 bucks. Do you never buy a hardback? I mean, I, I, I've, I've paid over a hundred for a, a uh, for a hardback comic book collection, you know? Uh, so I was surprised about that, but um, you know, uh, Steven, any thoughts about Sony now, um, you know, and are you worried we're going to get rising Viagra, Viagra commercials?
5: I'm not worried about that at all. And I'll tell you why. I'm not worried about that. Um, I think that Sony paid 500 Fifty or 500 million dollars for this if they put it in everything they're going to devalue that asset absolutely well said so so my guess is that uh you're not going to see it you might see it in a commercial here or there but i'm not expecting that i think this is just bruce turning 72 thinking about you know the future who's going to care for this thing he doesn't want to tear apart his kids who don't know anything about the music industry and how to how to navigate it and sony does So why not do this now? I I don't see this as selling out at all. A 72 year old can't sell out. It's just, you know, he's, he's providing for his, for his family and making this, this easier. This makes sense to me. And I'm, I'm glad to see that he was able to get half a billion for his work. I think it's worth much more than that, but it's, yeah, it's, it's just good to see that he's going to be taking care of his family and I'm not worried about come up for come up for Verizon. I'm not worried about that.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I think this, it may come out to be, you know, it's kind of the same thing with sport franchises, right? Like you hear someone buy a sports franchise and then 10 or 15 years, you go, oh, that ends up being a bargain. So this could be the same thing for Sony. Betsy, any thoughts?
3: I mean, go get that bread, Bruce. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I got I'm just trying to imagine Sam Springsteen, New Jersey, you know, Jersey City firefighter, yeah. trying to navigate through uh, all the requests for licensing for his father's music. You know, thirty years from now, it's just uh, his, his kids. Uh, I don't know his kids. I don't imagine that they want to take that on. And I actually imagine that he had a long conversation with them about it before he took any action. So. Yeah. I just, I agree with you. Much ado about nothing. Um, Look, if it's good enough for Dylan, it's good enough for Bruce.
0: There you go. Yeah. John. Yeah. You know,
1: how can you argue with it? I mean, what, what's the alternative? Um, I I mean, I didn't look in a lot of detail, but I know like, you know uh, when Prince passed away in 2016, there was not a lot of planning done and there was a lot of, you know.
0: Yeah. He didn't leave a will.
1: No. And so, so he, 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 you know, now that he's not here, he's, you know, he hasn't given any direction on what all of his unreleased music, what should be done with it. And, you know, I saw there was a 60 minutes story sometime earlier this year that talked about it and people are making those decisions, but it's not him. And so I think, you know, from our perspective, we're, we're looking at a number um well first of all and it it does it it does make sense to have professionals handling this music catalog as opposed to leaving it to your family you know we're looking at 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 a a big number a gross number but we don't we're not we don't see the specific uh instructions that go within that because i'm sure there's certain parameters on what you can and cannot do and you know the other thing on um you know on look I, i i I I think it's only fair that you get fair value for whatever your art is worth. But the other thing is, you know, Bruce is very quiet on his philanthropic side and, you know, there there's, there's other, you know, ultra high net worth individuals that, you know what they, they can, they can take care of their family. um, But they also can also be very philanthropic and, you know, I know he's very secret about that. Once in a while, things slip out that, Oh no, he, he bought these buses for the senior center here in New Jersey. You just yeah. don't hear about it. So, like I said, I I know, I know part of it, part of his estate, part of estate planning is also doing philanthropic planning. And I'm sure that's a big part of it also. And it's, it's, it's really no one else's business and he doesn't want to, you know, he, he, he doesn't want to make it our business because he's not looking for the publicity, but I'm sure there's a big uh, charitable piece of that also.
0: Yeah, and I want to hear your thoughts, Rachel, but let's also think about it, you know, John Landau, Barbara Carr are both older, you know, so he, you know, who will own his legacy, you know, Jessica is an Olympic um, star, Um, you know, his youngest son is a firefighter, I do believe his oldest son is into music, I think we had, I'd heard that, but as a musician, not a businessman, you know, so it makes a lot of sense, any thoughts, Rachel?
2: Yeah, um, I, I just think, like I mean, it's, it's Bruce, like he's been around enough to know what he's doing. And I mean, kind of like John said, like, it's really nobody else's business. But also, I think that there's, you know, this sense of, um, The, you know, the criticisms are so strong, I think, because because Bruce made his whole career pretty much being this very personal, or personal, personable, very relatable kind of, you know, easygoing kind of guy. I think that that gives um, somewhat of a false sense of, oh, I know this person. And while that is, it's almost like, you know, good, a blessing and a curse because that like, you know, his, him being so personable and so relatable reflects in the best way and allows for those really strong connections to be made. But I think on the other hand, it's like when you kind of think that you feel like you know somebody, that's when you feel like you're, um, kind of judgments are justified and in this case I I just don't I just don't find that they are I mean like obviously pretty much what everybody else said I mean he's doing what he needs to do for himself for his family and at the end of the day like obviously that's most important so yeah I I I agree with your whole take of uh much ado about nothing because I I just don't see it as anything that reflects negatively on him
0: you know what i i make your one of your comments made me think about i will i'll listen i listen to a lot of podcasts and uh there was one um a guy named matt Donnelly that does his own podcast and he's also on pen gillette's from Pin and teller's podcast and people come up to him and say i feel like i know you because i listened to your podcast and he goes you do know me I just don't know you. Right. Like, you know, and, and so I do think it's like, yeah, I, we don't know Bruce totally, but we know Bruce and he just doesn't know us because he has shared so much. And I think over the years, um, Betsy, I think you brought up the perfect topic to end us is, um, the sways or ways. Um, I've always thought it was kind of funny. And then when this came out, there are still people that are dying on that hill one way or another. And I'm just like, really? Uh, you know, and in fact, you know, I've always joked, right? Like, it isn't sways or waves, it's does Mary get in the car because that's how I end every podcast. Uh, so uh let's start with you, Betsy, since it was your topic. It I just find this shocking that it's just like, okay, now we know. No, we don't. <laughs>
3: I mean, I used to refer to it as Schrodinger's lyric, right? Yeah, like those waves and sways, um, and I just never thought anyone would answer the question because so many people have tattoos, right? Uh, and then John Landau, and then John Landau answered the question. Like when Brian Hyatt put his book out about all the songs, I actually asked him on Twitter, "Did anybody mention whether it sways or waves?" And he was like. No, I got an indication that it was sways, but not really. But um, look, and then people were like, "Well, John Lando isn't Bruce." Okay, well, I was at Springsteen on Broadway on August thirty first. Uh, he didn't do it on the twenty fourth, but on August thirty first, when he was singing Thunder Road, Bruce Springsteen, you know, started the song. The screen door slams, Mary's dress sways, and he leaned into the microphone and he said, "Sways." unmistakably and on purpose. And if that is not enough for people, you can think that waves is better, that it's better rhyming wise, or that it's better for whatever reason you, you can acknowledge that at some point, Bruce wrote down the word waves on a piece of paper. I mean, I've seen that piece of paper, but look, he's clear now it's sways now. And I was always team sways I was very quiet about it because I didn't want to argue with anybody about it, but I was always team Sways, So this did not offend my sensibilities in any way whatsoever, but I saw him and heard him. I saw him with my own eyes, heard him with my own ears, lean forward and say, "Sways."
0: There we go. Case closed, right? Uh, very nice. Um, Rachel, uh, your thoughts on this. I, I just, I love this topic because it's, there are so many things to be passionate about and there's so much to love about Bruce. And I just find this is hilarious.
2: <laughs> yeah, I you know, right? It's like it started as kind of like an ongoing joke, like a ha ha moment into full almost war. Like anyway though. Yes. Um, so I am also Teen Sways. And I went on August 25th and he did do the Sways. Um, repetition into the microphone so I can also attest to that um, but it's funny because I when this whole thing kind of started blowing up yeah. I would record my family members I'd walk into a room and I'd go screen door slams Mary's dress and I'd wait and see what they said and almost everybody in my family said waves and I was like you guys come on like like, we, we've we literally been listening to these songs Like for my sister anyway So my twin sister So literally the same yeah. age I was like um, We've heard this song since we were babies So why don't you know the words? I love but, that That is
0: a great story
2: But yeah, I'm Team Sways, And then it's funny because it even turned Obviously it was really blown up on Twitter And so Amy Lofgren said waves, and it was probably the first time I ever disagreed with her. And then Nils came in and said Sways, and I was like, "That's my hero." <laughs> so,
0: so they have a mixed kind of marriage. Yes,
2: over here. Yes. But yes. ultimately, I think Team Sways just might. I mean, I'm I'm just totally in full agreement with Betsy. Like from Bruce's mouth, like.
0: There we go. Yeah. Stephen, any thoughts?
5: Yeah. I mean, I was there on, I don't remember actually the date that I saw it, but, yeah. but it was a very funny moment when Bruce came in and said sways. I mean, yeah. I, that was, that was really funny that the next thing that we need to correct is the, the misunderstanding. And I'm on fire where I mean, people say it's like, Someone took a knife, baby, edgy and dull and cut a six inch valley through the middle of my skull is absolutely what he's saying. But when you uh, when you read the the lyrics on Springsteenlyrics.com, it says soul and uh, cover versions say that as soul. It's not soul. I can tell you why it's not soul, but that would take too long.
0: OK, so, well, maybe I'll have you so, back on the podcast. So I'm we'll much a more episode, uh, I'm
5: much more worried about that. I do not give it. Darn about sways <laughs> versus waves. It's always been Sways. I don't know why that is a why that's even a, a debate. Yeah. I mean, I do know why it's a debate,
1: but it's yes. it's and always absolute. Yes. John. Yeah, I I thought it was waves and then I saw Broadway and now I now I know better. <laughs> yeah, it's just the, the crazy thing is it just started with that Maggie Haberman tweet. I mean yeah. it's basically she she spit it out, Sways, and people just pounced all over her yeah and uh it's, it's just funny how it was just that because you know i'm not on twitter a lot but i was on that night yeah and I, I i was excited when i was oh someone's on broadway and i think Fred barara might have been at the same show so yeah. you know two two people that i kind of follow i was like oh wow and then but That's all good. of a sudden then all of a sudden it blew up but like i said if it wasn't for maggie haberman we probably would have this wouldn't even be a discussion it's just kind of funny how that how that launched.
0: That that is kind of funny. All right, ended up we're going to close it. We're almost at two hours. Thank you guys so much for giving me so much of your time. Twenty twenty two. What do you think we're going to see? And knock on wood, we get a tour. Is it a greatest hits kind of celebration of your uh, career, or are we going to get a lot of letter to you? The way we would as if he had toured right after the uh album and how as he often does like with magic or wrecking ball or you know where he plays a lot of songs and i'll start with you john
1: yeah um so if it's you know there's so much uncertainty right now if i had to make a prediction it's going to be uh you know maybe the tour starts in the springtime it's predominantly outdoor shows and i would hope that it's new songs, because I think that's what real, that's what I appreciate more um, about the concerts is I, obviously I like, I like the old songs, but I I love how Bruce takes songs that were on an album and they kind of converts them into their own um, arrangement live. Um, So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it's a lot of letter to you and some Western stars. Um, I'll, I'll be happy, but you know what? I'll be happy either way. Trust me. I'll I'll be, I'll be, I'll be happy with anything
0: yeah you know uh spring nuts um howie asks a different question every day and he asked just earlier this week what are you wanting to hear live a full album and uh your hero answered letter to you didn't he rachel
2: (laughs) i you know what listen i was about to say the same thing yes so i I, that, for me, I was like, well, I don't know. I kind of had this mindset of, I saw that tweet, and I was like, hmm, what would I like to hear? But, of course, my perspective is very different having never been to an E Street show. Right. So, I'm, like, running through the whole, like, catalog in my mind, like, okay, like, what do I want to hear? But, you know, if I had to make a prediction... I probably, I probably would go with letter to you. And I think a big part of that.
0: You're freezing up, Rachel. Mm. Let's see if she frees up a minute. Stephen, while you go, she will, uh, hopefully she'll unfreeze in a minute. Stephen, how about you? What's your prediction for 20? No, there you are. Go ahead. Say again, Rachel, you froze up. Finish it.
2: When did I freeze? What was I saying?
0: You're saying did if you I, had a prediction. Well, we're, we're, yes, off. if you were going to oh, make okay. a prediction. So,
2: yeah, so if I had a prediction, I would go with Letter to You. Okay. Um, just because, probably because mostly of the nose tweet. But also, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I rem, I don't I can't quite remember what context this was in, so maybe somebody else will remember. But he was talking about how... He it was like post pandemic like you're kind of what are you envisioning, and he was like oh I'm gonna like wait it might have been okay I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make myself look stupid here but um he was just saying like oh I'm gonna have the biggest party and you're all invited yes and so I anticipate this the uh, whatever m- might happen with a tour. I would expect that to be the overarching theme of just pure Bruce energy. Just, that was the one thing that I missed. Um, be, going to Springsteen on Broadway, at the end, I was like, I was thrilled. I was emotionally all over the place, but um, but I was looking at everybody around me and I was just thinking, I just can't wait for for, an e-street show i was like i everybody around me i was thinking i want to just get up and sing and dance with strangers and because you're not really strangers right like you do get that sense of family right from the start so whatever he does it'll be great but yeah probably letter to you but i wouldn't be surprised if you know he kind of throws us a curve
0: steven how about you what's your and what's your kind of prediction if you have one
5: i have no prediction but i can tell you what i want i want
0: i want um
5: well okay I, i want to go on tour Yes. and i want it to be able to happen safely um i want to hear a letter to you western stars and kind of the beginning part of the show and then a great encore of just some classics you know from from the back catalog uh One thing that I want to know more about is this mysterious album that uh, we've heard about in a couple of different places. Uh, I remember my first time reading it was in a Rolling Stone interview he did after, after letter to you, he, he made mention of there being another album. And then uh, I think it was when he won the Woody Guthrie prize. He, he mentioned another album that was going to come out. And I'm kind of wondering what the deal is with that. I'm wondering if we're going to get that in
0: 2022. That would be cool. That'd be very nice, Betsy.
3: Well, just you know, the Nils tweet, and then things that um, Stephen has said in the interviews about his book, yeah. and lead me to believe it'll be a, it'll be a letter to you tour. My hope is that it, there'll also be some Western stars. It's not an album you could tour with exactly, but I think some of those songs would be great East Street songs. And my secret hope is that there's more music released in 2022, yeah, on top of "Letter to You." That there's either a new album, the um, you know, the the elusive tracks to something. Yeah, I hope it's another album.
0: Absolutely, I agree. Uh, that's what I'm hoping to. Um, the reality is, um, uh, Linda was talking the other day, and I she's like has it been that long since you've seen bruce live i go yes it has she goes you must be kind of anxious i go yes i'm very anxious (laughs) so uh thank you guys this was absolutely wonderful um i appreciate this so much this is a joy i i you all are just wonderful people and i'm so glad you were on the show again um let's go around any final thoughts rachel
2: um, I just wanna say that, you know, like I just kind of said earlier, like, you know, I know that I I personally haven't spoken to any of the other um, you know, guests, but I did immediately kind of get that sense of family. It's been so nice talking to everybody. Um, and you know, you know, Jesse, that I love being on this podcast. So it was really an honor um to be able to do this again as kind of an end of the year wrap-up. So Thank you so much. Everybody.
0: Good. (laughs) Steven. I don't have anything
5: other to say than thank you for inviting me, Jesse. And it's good to see you again. It's good to see you doing well. And, and you're looking healthy to me and I'm happy to see that. So. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: I'm doing well, Betsy.
3: Uh, Thank you for having me on. Like I said, I'm always up for talking about Bruce always up for talking to you Jesse and um, like Stephen I couldn't let a 2020. You know, 2021 year in review pass without noting that one of the biggest stories of the year is that you are sitting here with us chatting in good health, having had your health adventures this year. I'm just really, really pleased.
0: Thank you. you. I I appreciate the kind words. I went to uh, the doctor this week and everything's good. Um, And uh, we're, uh, I'm excited. I've, uh, Took a little step backwards, as most people do during the holidays. So come January, I will have to be a little bit going, but I'm still, everything's fine and doing well. John, how about you, sir?
1: Uh, you know, I just want to say, I, I really think for 2022, I mean, we talked a little bit about, about potential tourists. Expect surprises. I think there's going to be big surprises that we were not going to see coming, whether it's yeah. certain types of music, we expect surprises. And I guess the other thing I want to say is just, uh, Jesse, thank you for all you do. Um, I'll, I'll just take it from you. Every, everyone has a Springsteen story and the fact that you offer this forum for everyone to share. And honestly, I don't, I don't have anyone to talk about through Springsteen to uh, other than this, uh, you know, group of people on, on the call tonight and to you and the other people I've met through, uh uh through the podcast. So um I am very Jesse, I'm very grateful for what you do and um I truly appreciate it.
0: Well thank you all to my guests and we appreciate it and Uh, yeah I, i tweeted this um 168 episodes out this year in calendar year i did hit 800 episodes so um that's a whole lot of bruce talk um and we're uh we're already making plans for 2022 uh betsy's already signed up to do a john hyatt talk with me uh and we're going to have uh some of those um And we're going to talk a little John Hyatt. And I'm hoping for some more, uh, a lot more guests. We're reaching out to people. So I plan to keep doing this as long as I can find people who want to talk Bruce. And uh, I figure, you know, if he's touring, it'll be even more great. So um, I hope each of you who are listening had a wonderful holiday season. I hope that 2022 is a good year for each one of you. I hope it's a a year of success, good health, and joy for you and your family. Thank you, guests. Thank you, listeners. And we will see you next year. Goodbye. Blessing Bruce has a Patreon page where you can offer to donate anything from a dollar a month up to whatever amount you want. Thanks to the wonderful people who support the podcast through Patreon, I'm able to cover the cost of the Zoom recordings and the hosting of the podcast, putting it out, things like that. So thank you to Holly Mac Steve Rogers, Dale Hosack, Terry Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, Mary Thomas, Alex Samolta, Andrew Goddard, Betsy Hodges, Levi Petrie, Stephen Malio. Each of you are my Springsteen siblings. You are my angels and I appreciate you so much. Thank you for all your support and love.